0: All right, gang, welcome aboard another great episode of the same second podcast brought to you by the Alumni Association and Foundation of the U.S. Naval Academy. I am John Schofield, Director of Communications at the Alumni Association and Foundation Proud 1996 Villanova grad, former SWO, former PAO. That's what we do. Joining me is Chris Cervello from the great class of 99, scratch golfer, Ireland enthusiast, and major, major Navy football fan. And we're going to talk about uh, how the football fortunes have reversed. This week's pod is really awesome. Uh, For the first time for our listening audience, we're going to introduce you to the new academic dean and provost of the U.S. Naval Academy, Samara Firebaugh amazing interview probably the best interview we've had um, as a podcast really excited for you guys to listen to her and then we're also going to talk to two of our corporate partners one from Kongsberg one from BAH about all the work that our corporate partners do with the brigade of midshipmen helping them through capstone and exposing them to the subject matter expertise that exists in the corporate world so a great pod for you today a triple threat of interviews so to speak Christopher that we are really really excited about but you know what not a sports podcast anymore, but I'd like to start the intro with a little bit of positivity in the sports world. Nope. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about Chris Cervelo's favorite Dallas Cowboys winning um, at will now, blowing people out, yeah. um, which is which obviously makes Chris Cervelo very happy. But, you know, all of the negative sports fortunes um, from recent weeks and months were turned around this past weekend when on Friday – Navy rugby on the very last play of the match beat army in rugby for the star BZ to them Saturday um, after really looking horrible against temple uh, Navy football defeated UAB in style. Um, and then also Saturday night, Navy volleyball defeats army for the star kind of reversing that curse in terms of getting stars. And then Sunday, no big deal. Sprint football reversed their curse against army and, Won the sprint football championship against the Black Knights. Chris, to ask you when you were talking to the anchors away guys this week, you know what was their take on not only the football result on Saturday, but also all of the other positivity that took place this past weekend in terms of the brand of Naval Academy sport.
1: So, on the football side, I think Keenan said it best. Um, you know, if you play the same quarterback two weeks in a row, good things happen, uh, and we saw that with uh, Xavier Arline playing much better this week. The whole offense playing much better, a lot of consistency on the defensive side. I think folks are feeling good going into ECU. Uh, you know we have 25 seniors. This is senior day in Annapolis this weekend. so that'll be exciting. It's always a you know sort of bittersweet moment for everybody as you uh, celebrate, but also they start to realize that their uh, Navy football career is coming to an end. Um, I had a great conversation with Bill Moran, who we had on uh, last week. Um, talking about the navy rugby match Um, they were having their ansp dinner on friday night uh, and they were able to get that live stream of the uh, rugby match piped in to where they were having it and he he sort of shared that you know in addition to it being an exciting game it sort of took over the evening as it came down to i guess the last uh, field goal. Right. I mean, I'm, uh, my rugby vernacular is a little rusty, but, uh, uh, you know, they were out of time. Navy had a chance to win it. They did win it. Um, and so he said, you know, it capped off an amazing, uh, evening. Um, and then, you know, so happy for the volleyball girls. I mean, this has been such a bugaboo for them, um, to, you know, finally beat army for that, um, that star. Uh, they're a great group of, uh, of young ladies and, you know, this is a huge moment for them, um, and and then, like you said, sprint football winning the championship over Army. So you know we were a little down on sports l- last week. Uh, th- this is a great uh, great weekend, and it kind of caps off a uh, a really nice
0: fall season. Yeah, what was hilarious about the ANSP meeting is that you know one of the female rugby players uh, was giving a presentation or giving a speech, and she's from Ireland, ironically. And yep. in the middle <laughs> of her giving the remarks, they put the game on. And as Krieger puts the final kick through to beat Army you know she kind of acted she rolled with the punches this is what's great about Benship and she rolled with the punches and basically like raised her arms like hey you're welcome you know like they' kind of kind of insinuating that they were cheering for her which you know we all should um to that degree and then could not be happier about the volleyball result like you said and then you know Chris as you say you, you can't you can't sleep on teams that are hot Um, like the Denver Broncos, for example. But, you know, the the Navy volleyball team turned uh, around right from that Army win and then went up to Bucknell and smoked Bucknell, the number four seed in the Patriot League tournament, uh, three sets to nil. Um, That gives them a little trip up to Colgate today, um, you know, where they get to possibly uh, defeat the number one seed and maybe set up another rematch with Army or maybe even American uh, in the Patriot League final to uh, to go to the NCAA tournament. So really, really excited for them. It's an exciting time for Navy sports and the Navy women, um, and all midshipmen today uh, open up their envelopes. They get to figure out what their service assignment is today at noon. Uh, they get to they get to uh, roll in um, and and figure out what their next uh, career is. So it, it's an exciting time. Uh, for sports, and ex- it's an exciting time for the midshipmen. And I like to call service assignment here at the alumni association, you know, the single biggest hiring event, you know, in the military. Um, you know, where we take a thousand people and give them jobs today. Um, I think that's a pretty special moment. What are your memories of opening up your envelope, Chris?
1: We did it a little bit different, uh, so like we, you know, we did it in I think January, uh, and you got it on Wednesday, and then you went down on Friday. And uh, for me, I I picked my flight school class, and for um, for the SWOs they picked their ships, and for the submariners, they picked their I think nuke power school date. You, you know, so I remember it just being a a real another sort of amazing bonding moment with the folks in my class. I mean, I've talked about before, we finished the Naval Academy with everyone that we finished Pleep Summer with. Um, And so we were uh, a pretty tight group of folks, you know, not, I mean, like any family, not always the best of friends at times, but it was those moments that like really brought you together. I remember a lot of people crying um you know out of joy and some people crying out of disappointment that didn't get what they wanted and you know lots of hugging and and then i remember going out that friday night and i mean burning annapolis to the ground i i think uh so i mean it was a uh it was a really amazing uh you know week and i wish the you know the mids the class of 24 you know all the best uh, as it starts to get real at this point, right? I mean, you know, you come back your first seat, but once you get that envelope, like it's, it's real, like you, you really start to get a sense of what, uh, y- you know, it's going to be like in, in the next couple months. Yeah. You're starting your career.
0: Um, and I don't know any other college in the country where in November of your senior year, you know what you're doing, uh, for your career. So, uh, you know, hats off to everyone finding out what they're going to do in the Navy after this it's a super exciting day. Uh, With that, let's get to our three interviews, since this is a really busy interview week. Uh, When we come back from break, we're gonna have Rob Kelly uh, from Kongsberg talking about uh, his corporation and what they do for the midshipmen and his experience as a grad. Stick with us. This is Sing Second. All right. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sing Second Podcast. This is John Schofield. We are really excited to be joined in our first alumni interview this week by Rob Kelly. Uh, Rob Kelly is the sales manager at Kongsberg Discovery. 2010 grad from the great class of 2010. And everyone knows that the Sing Second podcast, we love surface warfare officers. Rob is a surface warfare officer. Uh, I think still a reservist, if I'm not mistaken, Rob, and now, um, working for Kongsberg. So if you can, you know, just introduce the, the Sing Second audience, you know, a little bit of what your experience as a mid was like and how you arrived at where you are today. Yeah, how's it
2: going? Thanks so much for having me, John. I'm excited to be here um, and with the with the listeners. So, yeah, I graduated in the class of 2010, um, came from Coronado, California. My my dad was an alumni, class of 71, and he was a football player. So I went to Navy before that. I didn't get right in, right? So I applied out of high school, didn't get in, went to college for a year, ROTC. Applied again, got into NAPS. Then I went to NAPS, then the Academy. So I took the six year scenic route, but they always say the best go to NAPS. So um made my way to the Academy and uh, was privileged and honored to be a 25th company Bear Shark. So I want to make sure I threw that out there. My time at the Academy, oh, I, was, yeah, I was in the oceanography <laughs> major, and uh, now it's called Ocean and Atmospheric Sciences. Um, and uh, I got to play on the Navy Club lacrosse team for a while, and I was also an intramural warrior. So I was a sled dog on the club lacrosse team and an intramural warrior service selected surface warfare and was lucky enough to get a DDG out of San Diego. So I went to USS Milius and Harley Burke destroyer out of San Diego. I was first lieutenant running deck division, um, learning a lot, learning how to drive the ship and do all that um, and lead a division. Did two deployments to the Arabian Gulf on a DDG switch tours. Um, then I went to a sweep life. So 225 feet of fighting Douglas fir, wooden warships. Um, I know there's many of your podcast listeners that are big fans of the MCM community, so and I was too. So I got to beat DCA and hang out there with uh, a bunch of your listeners that I know are listening. Um, After that, I got to go to Naval Postgraduate School. So Naval Postgraduate School was great up in Monterey. Only problem is I didn't graduate. And uh, I didn't graduate from NPS, not because my academics were bad, but I had to leave for a medical issue. So I got diagnosed with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer while I was there. Immediately went down to Balboa Naval Hospital, did a year of chemotherapy, radiation. You know, I thought I was getting medically retired. They actually told me I was. And then, you know, my family, luckily my wife is a nurse, and at that point we had one kid, one child, um, my oldest son, and we we figured it out and actually ended up staying active duty. So after a year of fighting the good fight against cancer, um, I was cleared to go to department head school and go to SWAS. So I went to uh, Naval Station Newport to go be an international surface warfare officer uh, instructor for a couple of years while I, I was tracking my medical progress to make sure I was still okay after my treatment and then did department school. Yeah. After 2018 reported to USS Zumwalt as the weapons officer, I did about a year and a half as the weapons officer and fleeted up as the combat systems officer. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to get through any of that if it wasn't for my wife. So one of the recommend, you know, one of the uh, words of advice I got at the Naval Academy was marry up. Um, there was an admiral, and he said, you're not going to remember my name, and you're not going to remember this speech, but you're going to remember one thing, marry up. And that's all I remember from that speech, and I did. Uh, we have three kids, and now we live in uh, the Charleston, South Carolina area. But, you know, getting out of the Navy, um, after my department head ride, you know, the, the 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 treatment, the medical treatment, that kind of shifted priorities in my life, going through cancer Um, You know, I I did an Ironman the year after cancer treatment to try and like change things and be able to control things myself. Um, And, you know, fulfilling that department head ride was amazing on Zumwalt. I got to interact with so many stakeholders. It really set me up to go get my degree. I immediately went and transitioned to uh, business school and I went to USC Marshall in Los Angeles. Fight on, go Trojans. And through the MBV program. And there's also another similar program now at Emory. But it's a, it's a master's of business program and it's specifically focused on veterans. And that was amazing for me in my transition. And through that process, I found Kongsberg. Luckily, I have a great classmate, um, Caitlin Hardy, who uh, I got to work with and, you know, kind of use as a mentor. And she's like a featured graduate at the Naval Academy, class of 2010 as a naval architecture um, major. And I've got to work with her and, you know, meet the great team of Kongsberg. So I came in as a project manager and, you know, transitioned into more of the business development sales area at Kongsberg Discovery. So that's that brings us to kind of current day where we're at.
0: So so introduce us, you know, you've introduced us to you and it's an amazing story. And I had heard a little bit of it and I love it. Um, but, you know, walk us through a little bit of Kongsberg. So Kongsberg Maritime, you know, reading it on the website, technology pioneer, enabling more sustainable future for our oceans. I mean, that first line, I'm immediately in, Um, you know, zero emission integrated technologies advance the maritime industry and solve our customers toughest problems. 7,000 plus employees, 117 offices in 32 countries. What makes this company special?
2: Yeah, Kongsberg is a very special company. Um, You know, it's kind of easier to if you understand how it's broken down. So there's Kongsberg, and it's a gr- over two hundred year old company. It is a uh, ex- you know been selling uh, rifles to the United States since the Spanish American War. You've got it broken down into kind of different pillars. You've got Kongsberg Maritime. You've got Kongsberg Defense and Aerospace. And now the new business unit is Kongsberg Discovery, where it's really focused on more of that high end technology, um, the unmanned systems and the sensors and the communication systems, the sonars and all that that goes with that technology. So that's kind of where I'm focused on now is Kongsberg Discovery. But it's it's like one of the major primes out there in the U.S., only it's a Norwegian company, but we have our U.S. entities. So kind of what we're doing is trying to make sure that we're getting that the word out there. If you've heard of Naval Strike Missile, it's a Kongsberg missile. If you've heard of the Remote Weapon System, that's Kongsberg Defense Remote Weapon System. That's with the United States Marine Corps. Um, So Kongsberg as a whole has a ton of things from giant propellers that are on ships to missile systems to sonars that are in the water doing USW operations and everything in between, uh, even up in the space. So it's an amazing commercial company to be a part of. They get to continue the R&D side with a lot of the commercial. And then when there is a military or government requirement or contract that comes along, they're able to use that and to help develop solutions for the government customer, whether that's Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, or Coast Guard. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, you know, it's an amazing company to work for. They really care about everyone that's there and really kind of solving the solutions from seabed to space.
0: Similar backgrounds in that, you know, I went to West Point my freshman year, um, you know, couldn't couldn't make it, got kicked out, eventually go to an ROTC and, and I loved Villanova ROTC and I still love Villanova. But I always said, as I came back, you know, to teach at the U.S. Naval Academy that the the access to resources at the academy was unlike any experience that an ROTC midshipman receives. You know, I know when I was at Villanova, I didn't have like corporate partners coming in and helping me with R&D stuff and advising me on my crappy sociology major. Um, You know, this was a different scenario. You know, it, it, Kind of, kind of un, unwrap that a little bit for us, and in your experience, both as an ROT seamanshipman but also as you know, four-year survivor on the banks of the Severn, you know, it, having access to those to those resources is special, is it not?
2: This is very special. So during my time at the Naval Academy, I don't remember doing anything like this. I don't remember meeting with multiple stakeholders from outside of the Navy. Like I think the closest thing that I met with was I met with the NOAA Corps and I met with NOAA because I was in the oceanography major. I was doing waves and tides. I was doing all the atmospheric research. So I did actually get to meet with NOAA and the NOAA Corps officers, but that's about as far out as I got. No kind of commercial companies were coming in to the academy, at least for my degree and the stuff that I was focused on. I can't speak for everyone and I'm sure there was some group one majors, some engineers that were probably reaching out and doing internships and stuff. But I know for me and for you know the general class that wasn't happening, but what I got to witness this past year at the capstone day where I went to, I went to the capstone day with my colleague, Scott, who's going to be teaching on acoustics next week at the Academy. So if you're on the yard, try to get into Joe Smith's class with and go see Scott teach acoustics next week, representing Kongsberg. Um, and, and also Jessica will be teaching the coastal infrastructure on a lunch and learn next Friday. So if you're on the yard, uh, please try and get a seat in there and we'll, we'll get you the information. Um, but we didn't have that at the Academy. You know, nowadays we can go in and we're trying to really close the gap um, so we can answer the questions. Because when you have this valley of death between industry and the midshipmen and the government, things take way longer. And if we can help speed up the decision process and the answering and the questions where the midshipman can come up with an undergrad, you know, capstone idea or something like that, you know, it's only going to make them better. So when they go to the Naval Postgraduate School, they're going to do even more research for the Navy and they're going to keep pushing and pressing and pressing. And they're going to be able to, you know, innovate way, way faster than I think I had the opportunity to. Um, So, you know, that's kind of one of our goals is accelerating the innovation Uh, and starting with the Naval Academy, and starting with the midshipmen, because they're gonna carry it forward. If we go and try and meet with some, you know, lieutenants and things in the Navy right now, they're kind of bought in on some things. And I think if we really get in at the core structure, the roots of academia with the Navy, we can prove it, have a proof of concept on our support. And then if, let's say we teach infrastructure inspection and monitoring using sonar. So that's looking at piers in pillars, underwater, to look for damage or maybe battle damage or just just corrosion, rust, piers falling apart in the water because they're in the salt water. If we can help the Naval Academy, then we can help, you know, all the ports around the world, all the naval bases that need that kind of thing. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're getting the word out there and we can help out and come up with solutions as,
0: as often as we can. And I think starting at the Academy is the way to do it. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I thank your company and you for continuing to come back and, and give back to the Naval Academy. My last question as we go out, you know, what, what made the Naval Academy special for you and, and why do you choose to continue to give back not only on the corporate level, but as you know, on a personal level?
2: Yeah, so thank you, that's a great question. On a personal level, I found during my transition and I think this is you know, this is my rec- Rob's recommendation to veterans who transition is you need purpose. So it's very easy when we wear the uniform to say, hey, I have purpose, I'm I'm wearing the uniform. I raised my right hand, I've sworn an oath. Um, When you take the uniform off, things change. And if you don't have purpose, it's really hard to find what you're doing in life and what you need to be doing. So I always wanted, I wanted to go to the Naval Academy more than anything. My dad went there, my grandpa was a retired pilot. My uncle was in the Navy. Everyone in in my hometown was Navy town. Um, I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. It took me two years. I served, I have an amazing family now, but if I just stopped with the Navy and went into something totally different, I wouldn't have that purpose. Um, I I wouldn't be fulfilling my purpose here on this earth. Um, And I think, you know, going through the things I went through and the, the medical stuff and everything, it really helped shape my priorities. So with the Naval Academy in particular, I have three things I think the Academy prepared me for and was like, set me up, was the first thing. The Naval Academy has the ability, it teaches you the ability to deal with chaos and have multiple tasks all at once and to how to prioritize. That was an amazing thing that I learned at Naval Academy. And the second thing was leadership and followership. Um, learning the foundation of both, because if you have both of those paired with humility, you can learn how to become a great leader. And then the last thing was, and the most important, you know, the friendships and the family. The friendships you build at the Naval Academy Um and you know you, the trust you have with another alumni. You might not even know that alumni or that graduate, or the, you, you might have never met them. But you know you went through something similar. You went through something hard. You didn't go through something soft. You know you went through something that was difficult, and you you became a team through that. And you know strong teams are built through hard events. And you're not going to build a strong team by going through something soft. So the Naval Academy is a hard event, both physically and mentally. It makes strong teams and strong individuals. And so even if they're not your classmate or you never got to meet them, you have a sense of tribal friendship and family bondship with them. And so I have that forever with all the Naval Academy alumni, and I'm very thankful
0: for that. Well, Rob, we're so thankful for your perspective. You you talked about the great things that Kongsberg is is doing in the classroom. Uh, Can't wait to unwrap a little bit about about that with with the provost of the Naval Academy, Samara Firebaugh. Ah, uh, when we come back from break. So, thank you so much uh, for being a graduate uh, of character and consequence. We can't wait to to see you back on campus, and uh, and thank you for joining the Sing second pod. Thanks so much. You have a great day. Beat army. All right, beat army, Rob. Hey, that was Rob Kelly. Everyone's from the great class of two thousand and ten. We're gonna go to break. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Samara Fireball, the provost of the Naval Academy. Stick with us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from break. Thank you for being here on the Sync Second Podcast. This is a special interview, ladies and gentlemen. Um, It might be the first media interview. Who knows? I I, I haven't (laughs) asked uh, Commander Hakiko, the PAO, but we are really honored to be uh, joined by the new um, provost at the U.S. Naval Academy, Samara Firebaugh, Uh, graduated magna cum laude from Princeton University right there, Jersey Strong in Central Jersey. Uh, with a bachelor's degree in double E in 1995, master's and PhD from MIT in 97 and 2001, respectively. Um, and, you know, joined the U.S. Naval Academy in 2001 as a member of the faculty in double E and computer engineering. Uh, and now, as of this past summer, replaced Andy Phillips as the provost. So, Samara, you know, we, we see you all over the place. You have, You are definitely out there and not that Andy wasn't out there. I loved I loved Andy and, and seeing him running the BNA trail with Pete and Nardi and 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 that whole thing. But, you know, introduce the listeners a little bit to, you know, if they didn't have you for a double-year computer engineering class, just intr- introduce the listeners a little bit more to your background.
3: Oh, sure. I would love to. And in fact, I have to point out that behind me, you see Hopper Hall, which uh, was a part, you know, the end part of my career before I came into administration as the chair of electrical and computer engineering. And in that role, I I had a a part in um, planning for that building uh, because the electrical community is now in the building. It's a little sad for me, in fact, that um, as part of the planning process, I know that there's a beautiful office in Hopper Hall for the electrical computer engineering department chair. But instead of going into that beautiful office with the view, my office now has a view of Hopper Hall and not the water, but that's okay. It's a great view. And in fact my favorite part of um, not just having hopper hall but to this side which you can't see but i see across the Rickover terrace and i love watching the mids coming and going from class uh so i would oh. say maybe it's the great greatest view at the naval academy but um you know everyone has these perspectives but it's not a lot of but that's that's okay um no so i came to the naval academy in 2001. i am a navy brat so people often ask well how did you know about the naval academy and and because I had grown up in Navy family, my father was an engineering duty officer. Um, I was very familiar with the Naval Academy. We'd come here for various events growing up. I'd come to see, I remember coming to the chapel for the Messiah concert and um, visiting with my father's friends who lived on the yard. And um, even though he wasn't a Naval Academy grad, he was a ROTC student, but, um, but still I was familiar with the Naval Academy. And then when I saw the ad for the Naval Academy, when I was looking for jobs, um, I just had this thought of what a great place. Like I, I, I knew it'd be a nice institution. I knew it'd be a place that I could really focus on teaching while still being able to pursue my scholarship interests. So I came, I interviewed, uh, I loved the people and we, everyone who knows the Academy knows that the people are the best thing about the Naval Academy. And so, um, so I, took the job and I've been here ever since. And it really has been a great career. Uh, I, I um, one sadness in my current roles, I don't get to teach as much, but I do plan on getting back into the classroom um, next fall once I've got my, you know, a little bit of a sense of how to do this other job that I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I do, I love teaching here. I came, uh, taught a lot of different classes in the electrical engineering department, um, but uh, my research area is micro robotics. So one thing I did when I came here is uh, really in micro electromechanical systems, which are microchips with moving parts. So I did work in that area and eventually we got, um, uh, with uh, Janelle Peetmeyer in robotics department, we did a lot of work with micro robots and other people joined that effort over the years. Um, but I, one satisfying part of my early career was mentoring all these teams of midshipmen building micro robots, and for a little while we were trying to get them to play soccer. Like the 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 set, the main event was a two millimeter dash, if you could imagine. So. Uh, <laughs> It was
0: fun. It was good stuff. Uh, was well, I'll tell you, micro robots, not something I was doing as a sociology major at Villanova, but um, <laughs> yeah, there's still merit merits. Of, but you, you bring up an interesting point, Samara, in that when I was the PAO there from 2013 to 2017, I would often remark as I gave tours of the yard and, and talk to people and maybe answer a media inquiry about Bruce Fleming or something like that. It, and it was always about a very nice mix of civilian and military faculty at the Naval Academy. If you look at West Point, a majority of the faculty there are military. If you go to Colorado Springs, a very similar scenario. And at least when I left as the PAO in, in 2017, we had, of the 600 faculty, I think that number is right, we had about a 300 to 300 mix. You know, do, do you use that as, as kind of a badge of honor, you know, as the provost, knowing that Midshipman at the Naval Academy have access to a bit of a different or a more diverse um, academic experience?
3: Absolutely, I think that, that that mix of faculty brings a lot of strengths to the institution. So our, our rotational military who come through, come from the fleet, go back to the fleet, they bring a lot of recent fleet experience and they can tell us, hey, they can tell us, hey this was useful, this wasn't useful, we need to make sure we're talking about this, they bring that to the classroom. The uh, long-term civilian faculty like me, uh, we have deep expertise in our disciplines. We make sure that when we're going to teach about some new topic, you know, micro like robotics, that we actually know what's happening in the technical world or the outside world connected to that. And that, that expertise is also really important in being able to flex to uh, emerging areas of interest. So we would not have been able to stand up the data science major or the foreign area studies major if we hadn't had faculty already here Deeply immersed in those research fields and able to tell us what needed to be in the curriculum to teach these these new topics. So that is uh, that. That's what the civilians bring. And then we also have the permanent military professors who have command experience, but they have also they they have PhDs. They participate in research, but they also understand the the um, the military and all of these groups. They they bring these different things to the institution. It Really illustrates how important diversity from backgrounds. Can enrich an institution. I think we're we are we are better for it.
0: So when I was there as the PAO, we graduated the first plank owning class of cyber operations majors. Yeah. And I remember when it started as a major, it was you know it was kind of, you know, unknown ground. We knew that cyber operations, we knew that cyber, you know, as a singular word, was going to be a focus, you know, not only as a battle space going forward. I'm not trying to be Chris Cleary here. Um, as the as the principal cyber advisor, but we knew that cyber operations was important. You know, now as we've gone through from the plank-owning class, one of my favorite people alive, uh, you know, probably the smartest Naval Academy midshipman I've ever met, Zach Danley, uh, who was a member of that uh, first cyber operations major plank-owner class. How have you seen cyber operations mature and evolve and and provide actual um you know value to the fleet as as we embark upon that battle space particularly in this day and age of of cyber attacks almost every day
3: that's a that's a great question so we have been um, accessing more and more students into the information warfare community that's a something that's changed is that we now have a group of students who go directly into that community we have a tight uh, a, a wonderful tie and collaboration with um, the uh, NSA and other organizations in the area. And we have internships and the students get out and they get that exposure while they're here. Uh, You know, our cyber department has grown. It's uh, maybe one of, certainly the first and maybe the only institution where we have accreditation from ABET, but also an NSA center of excellence in two different fronts. So we have two NSA center of excellence designations and we also have the um, ABET accreditation designation. So we're really, a, a, it's become a, a leader uh, for how to do education in cyber science. And that's a, an emerging discipline. There's certainly a lot of computing in it, but there's also political aspects. There's the, the law is part of this policy, social aspects, the economics, all of that factors into cybersecurity. And so I've, I've seen that grow. I've seen the number of interests, the number of um, Things the students do when they when they come through the military is setting up um, designators that you know in the Marine Corps as well for for this expertise. So it's definitely been a it was a good place for the Naval Academy to invest for sure.
0: Oh my goodness, yes, and well, so here we are. We are eight days away from one of the seminal moments of a midshipman's career, and that is when that envelope arrives on November sixteenth for service assignment. you know, and so you look over the list of majors and you see that the majors are are sort of, you know, driving people towards certain careers, you know, cyber operations. We now have data science. We now have foreign area studies. How well do you think, you know, I, I, granted you're in your first six months of of actually taking the reins of this, but how well do you think as the provost we are preparing midshipmen academically for whatever those career fields are when the envelopes get opened on the
3: 16th? That is a great question. So we still have a very robust core curriculum and the intent of the core curriculum is to prepare every midshipman for every service community. And so while we have majors, you know, like cyber seems very well tuned to information warfare, we have students who, who do any service community from any major. And I think that's important. That core curriculum is a really key aspect of the program here as well. It's something that I um, pay a lot of attention to. I really feel like because because it's so central to their preparation as officers, every moment spent in the core should be just a gem. It should just be a beautiful jewel that they treasure. (laughs) I know they all treasure clean chemistry, but I, I do want them to appreciate what those courses do for their preparation as officers. I
0: don't know if anyone enjoys plead chemistry. I, don't know. I mean,
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe not, but I would say that I, I love all of our majors. If I, you know, I'm, and obviously I'm, I like school, that's, you know, the pr- kind of person that comes a provost is going to like school, but I would do every major here at the Naval Academy and I stand by them in their preparation for them as future officers.
0: You know, you brought up capstone and, and capstone is, is, a very valuable experience for not only the faculty but for the students. You know, going through the entire process. Um, so much of that it it appears to us over here at the alumni association side is dependent on those corporate partners, on on corporate subject matter expertise being part and parcel of this process of helping and mentoring midshipmen. What what is having access to that sort of corporate expertise, to that to those sort of resources? What does that mean for you as the provost to make capstone a more Kind of holistic and effective um, evolution in the life of the midshipman.
3: Oh, what a great question! So the key thing there is when we have these spot, these corporate p- partners, they're bringing us real problems that are the kind of problems that we exactly need our students to solve. So they they cross disciplinary areas. They're not always sometimes that you have to actually go in and define what's the problem. So part of what our students need to do are ask questions to understand. What the problem space is, um, and and also serving as a sounding board as they kind of think through potential solutions to kind of tell them, hey, that 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 nice idea, but doesn't quite meet our requirements in other ways, or or it might be that they our students we've had cases where our students come up with ideas for solving things that the corporate sponsors hadn't thought of, and so bringing their you know their their agile twenty something minds to the problem. Can, uh, can really open up the design space. So it's, it's it really that the key thing there are bringing us problems that are, that are challenging to the students that get them to exercise. It's a, back to that idea of Bloom's taxonomy, by the way, you're, you're t- taking your foundation you've built in your classes and connecting the dots to solve a real world problem. I mean, really, that's what it is. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, but, Samara, I'll, I'll tell you, it, I, I could talk to you for an hour. <laughs> um,
3: but the pod isn't
0: that long um, we, we do eventually As you come back on the pod We have to talk about all sorts of stuff Living in Boston you know, Playing sure. drums in a band
3: you know, I they, do like all, i got go to go all... to band practice that's, just, that's what I'm doing next I'm going to run over I think I'm going to sing something for the Army-Navy pep rally So I'm going to go over and practice that in a second here
0: uh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Academic, <laughs> musician, N- Naval Academy fan, um, yeah. and, and count us as fans of yours, Samara. Thank you so much for making time in your day. Y- here you are. You're at the very nascent stages of your career as the provost, but we really appreciate you giving us the context and perspective as to what your goals are going forward. And we know that, you know, the the academic um, future of midshipmen has done very good to hands.
3: Oh, thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. I have a big team. So that's what makes a difference.
0: It's a great team, so great uh, ladies team, and gentlemen, yep, yeah. yeah, um, Samara Firebaugh, the Provost uh, at the u s Naval Academy, so happy to be uh, joined by her. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gonna go to break. This is the sing second. Mm-hmm. All right, hey hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back at Sing Second. Um, I am really excited this week. We have talked to Samara Firebaugh, the uh, academic dean and provost for the US Naval Academy. We have talked to corporate partners throughout um, throughout the year, but talking to Kongsberg and now talking to BAH, we are so happy to be, to be joined by Jenny Brooks, the executive vice president of the Navy and Marine Corps team um, at Booz Allen. Um, Jenny Brooks is a senior leader for BAH's client services and delivery supporting Navy and Marine Corps clients across the nation. She and her teams developed solutions across capabilities, including cybersecurity, systems engineering, and data science and analytics. In case you were wondering, ladies and gentlemen, I read that directly off LinkedIn. (laughs) But if you want to be introduced to who Jenny Brooks is and what she and her team at BAH are doing for the Naval Academy, I will give her the mic right now. Jenny, thank you so much for joining the pod. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing well. Good morning. Thanks for having me, John.
0: Oh, no, we... uh, we We love it. So this is our focus on corporate and finance relations at the Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation and how much it really helps the brigade uh, as well. You know, we just talked um, earlier in some other interviews with some older grads talking about the importance of connecting uh, with graduates as they go out there around the world and they serve their country. And when they get out of uniform, the support that they need. But that really starts on the ground level of giving them the best educational experience they can get. Uh, while on the banks of the Severn here in Annapolis. Can you explain a little bit more, Jenny, about how BAH um, and your team kind of supports the Naval Academy and the mission of the brigade, particularly midshipmen who are trying to get smarter and possibly become members of your Navy and Marine Corps team in the future?
4: Sure, well, um, and shout out to the LinkedIn uh, bio, it's, I guess it's a tip for all of us to make sure that that stays updated and current at all times, but. For those who might not know, uh, Booz Allen is a professional services company. We provide a broad range of services and solutions in management consulting, technology, and engineering services. We're a global firm of roughly 32,000 people strong um, across the the globe. And as you mentioned, I have the honor of overseeing our work supporting the Navy and Marine Corps across the country. Our team is roughly 3,900 employees strong. Um, we're in many of the locations that the Navy is. So um, if you see the Navy um, it, somewhere in our country, there's hopefully a buzan support team nearby. And um, as you mentioned, what's really important to us is engaging in meaningful and productive partnerships and dialogues earlier and often. Yes, with potential candidates, in this case, certainly um, with Naval Academy grads that might have interest in transitioning into a career at Booz Allen, but also really for um, the future of STEM and engaging in ideation and innovation and solutions, uh, you know, even earlier than we go all the way through like high school and middle school in some cases. And so it's really around a robust conversation and partnerships of sharing the knowledge that we have in serving clients like the Navy Marine Corps, in solving some of their toughest challenges, and also understanding, um, you know, what the STEM education looks like, cyber engineering, data science and analytics, artificial intelligence and machine learning, and, working together in on real real world hopefully projects that have some real world application and so it's it's engaging in projects um, in internships in talking with students at the middle school and high school level even and as they pull all the way through an institution like the Naval Academy and sharing with them a little bit about the potential of a career at Booz Allen but also just being part of the dialogue about what the future of STEM looks like for our country.
0: Well, so you and I here we are on a naval academy-centric podcast, and neither of us are graduates. You know what makes you know it, I didn't have access to you know corporate mentoring or, or access to subject matter expertise at Villanova University the way that um, midshipmen do at at the Naval Academy, and we're and we're focusing so much this week on on how. You know, corporate partners um, kind of imbue uh, this uh, perspective that you have upon the brigade of midshipmen. You know, why why the Naval Academy? Why is the Naval Academy important for for Booze in in terms of of mentoring and and helping midshipmen gain a better education? It's not just for the benefit of Booze and the Navy Marine Corps team down the line. You're you're playing the long game here.
4: Well, uh, you know, Booz Allen has been. Um, we've been in business for over 100 years now. The United States Navy is one of our earliest clients. So we have a longstanding partnership in service to the Navy, um, which really means we're deeply invested and dedicated to its missions. Um, you know, our expectation is that what our Navy clients are worried about, we're worried about. And so my point is, you're right, it's, it's really about that. Um, we hire a number of Naval Academy graduates. I think we have over 200 at last count on the team. Um, I will say that I think that the leadership opportunities and experiences that midshipmen get at the Academy really does tend to translate very well to what we need to do um, at Booz Allen and service and continued service to our Navy Marine Corps in terms of, you know, just consulting skills, project solving, um, project management, problem solving, all of those things line up really well. Um, We have probably uh, typically averages around 40% or so of our team's employees are military affiliated veterans, reservists, spouses, and parents. And so, you know, we understand we have so many employees who have served um, and we understand what that path looks like. And we have, you know, many military spouses and we understand what that path or journey can look like at times. so it really is just a natural, very important partnership to us to stay connected. And again, to kind of bring forward anything we can offer—an expertise, mentorship, you know, internship opportunities—that important dialogue and connection on where what we're seeing in the world today, as as to where the midshipmen are in their in their academic journey, or earlier in, st- in terms of STEM students who might one day attend the academy. It's really that um, that community that we want to be a partner of.
0: Well, I know that the midshipmen and the Naval Academy um, are the beneficiaries uh, of the subject matter expertise of the mentoring and of the support um, you know, that Booz Allen Hamilton provides. All right. As I uh, let you go, what what do the Padres do here in the offseason? They've got the biggest payroll in baseball, probably Tatis, Machado, Musgrove, um, Juan Soto. One of those dudes has to go. Right. I, I assume that you've seen a couple of games at Petco. Uh, and that you're probably a Pods fan, you know, play general manager for me as we go out. You know, what, what do the Padres do to remain relevant and get to the World Series?
4: Well, I will say that um, one of my best, most um, recent memories was not this last season, but of course in 2022, when we were at home playing the Dodgers and it it started pouring down rain in the middle of that playoff series. And uh, the stadium erupted. The, they were playing old school, like 80s, 90s pop songs. You know, my my generation, all the songs Your, your generation erupted. and mine, yeah. <laughs> and I was with my son, you know, and he sort of, he knew some of the songs, not but all the songs, but all around me were people my age. And they, we had ponchos on and we were pouring wet. We were pouring wet. And, um, you know, it was really just a, a spectacular time. Um, I will say that as we record this, Peter Seidler uh, has recently passed. And I will say that, you know, right now our community grieves deeply for um, what he brought to our community. Yes, in building a franchise that really aims to win a championship. And we're all behind that and we're all in, but also he was just a tremendous, um, highly respected and admired community leader for San Diego. And that really is what San Diego is. You know, we, um, we're we all in behind the Padres and, um, and I hope that as we head into next season, whatever the roster might look like, we'll be all behind the roster. I think um, the whole community is going to be really behind our team. Uh, in an in, in honor of of Mr. Seidler. So that's gonna be our year. We're gonna I we're gonna do it. And I'm very confident and welcome everyone to San Diego. Come join us at Petco Park for a game. It would be great. <laughs>
0: well hopefully the uh the Orioles and Padres are matching up in the World Series next year. It would be the best of both worlds uh for you and me. Um and with the uh, Army Navy game coming up on the horizon I would certainly yes. encourage you to to go visit a bunch of our naval academy grads at the PB Shore Club in Pacific Beach, uh, you know, enjoy a beer there and root for root for Navy over Army. As I let you go, what what's your prediction for Army Navy? Give me a score.
4: I don't know about the over under and the score. I haven't uh, I haven't studied up on uh, the stats that much yet. But always, always go Navy beat Army. I look forward to it. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> a great way to end, ladies and gentlemen. Jenny Brooks. Uh, executive vice president of the Navy and Marine Corps team at Booz Allen Hamilton. We're always, always happy to talk to supporters of the Navy and Marine Corps team. And Booz Allen Hamilton supports the Navy and Marine Corps team so well, including the U.S. Naval Academy and the Brigade of Midshipmen. We thank you so much for being on the pod, and we can't wait to have you on again. Thanks, John. All right. Thank you, Jenny. Go Padres, Go Padres. over the Orioles. Bye, <laughs> We're going to go to break. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Cervello and I will take this out. This is the second pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Chris and I are happy to take this baby out. It has been a full pod, three great interviews, a bunch of great stuff to talk about. Chris, let's talk about some other great things and then what's on the horizon. Number one, here we are. We have a female. Rugby player named as a Rhodes Scholar, Abigail Ward from Pasadena, Maryland. By the way, a lot of people, press, you know, tell me that if they're if they're going to choose that backwoods part of Maryland, they're <laughs> going to go Pasadena before they go Leonardtown. I would take that personally if I were you. No big deal. Um, but here we are. We now have fifty plus Rhodes Scholars to match the fifty plus astronauts uh, that have come out of this institution. It's just. It's just an amazing feather in our cap, and and congrats to Abigail Ward. You know, great future ahead of her uh, studying in England and getting smarter. Were there any Rhodes Scholars from the Great Class to '99?
1: I honestly don't remember, John. It's terrible to say. <laughs> I'm sure there was. I, I I think there was. I I don't remember it's terrible i i apologize
0: uh somewhere out there amy gilland the gdit you know wants to wants to punch both of us in the face it's funny because amy Gilliland is from
1: amy Gilliland is from ellicott city maryland or as they used to say during the parades ellicott city maryland and they i don't know why i still remember that but um that's actually not that far from pasadena as uh, the locals say it uh in uh in pasadena <laughs>
0: Uh, little, Maryland City, humor. Maryland.
1: little Merlin humor for, uh, the boys and girls out there. Hey, hon. That's right.
0: <laughs> hey, hon. Let's go down to the Potomac river, uh, right there on the edge of, uh, of Washington, D.C. Let's get after it. Um, hopefully we can get Amy Gilliland, <laughs> Nee Morrison, um, on the podcast. She is the president of GDIT out there in uh, Northern Virginia from the great class of 96, former brigade commander. Let's see if we can, uh, shake loose. Um, you know, the, the prospects there and get her on the pod. As we go out, Chris, uh, I just have to ask you you know, the, the spirit of optimism is large here. You know, the Mids are looking forward to Thanksgiving break, but I know that the, uh, that the good boys and Rickets are looking forward to a win against ECU, a very, very bad ECU team, if I may say so. Um, after what we saw against UAB, the expectation, I don't know what uh, Keenan and uh, Eric Patani said about this, but the expectation has got to be that you take care of business against ECU and then get yourself in position to beat SMU on the road, to shop the world, get bowl eligible, and get your military bowl bid so that you're playing at home on December 27th at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. What is your prediction and thoughts for uh, for what's going to happen against ECU, noting, I talked to our good friend, friend of the pod, Gina Mamatai Lavatai, um, at the last game, she said the tie is feeling better, I believe, and you know Coach Newberry said this very same thing to the Alumni Association last week, that tie is gonna be back for the Army-Navy game, but you're gonna have no tie for this game, but the way that Xavier Arline played, and you know, you've gotta feel comfortable with having that quarterback there now, right?
1: I never feel comfortable uh, with uh, the Navy offense as it's played the last three years. Um, I am encouraged uh, as were Eric and Keenan on this week's pod with the play of Xavier Arline. Um, I think I mentioned it in the top uh, Keenan attributes that to, um, the fact that Xavier actually got two uninterrupted starts in a row Um, and, you know, it started to come together in the end of the third quarter, uh, beginning of the fourth quarter, really coming together in a big way for that offense. I think you got to be DCU bad. I think you got to, you know, you got to take them from the opening gun to the closing gun um i i don't know that you have to beat smu i mean i know that um you know you'd love to be, have six wins and before army and that would make the bowl conversation a lot easier i don't even know that you need to go to a bowl this year john i think if they beat ecu i think if they play well against smu and they beat army i think this this coaching staff can feel really good about themselves Maybe you get lucky in the military bowl, pull some strings and, you, you know, goes for a hometown uh, team or, you, you know, maybe there's some other bowl that didn't get their six win team and Navy falls into that. Or maybe you just get some rest during the holidays and then you you go into spring ball with the coaches feeling good, having had six wins. You send these 25 seniors out on a high note. You bring in a uh, blue chip athlete from Pennsylvania and uh, you start the 24 season off I think, on on the right foot. That That's where my head is at, at this point. You have to beat ECU and you have to beat Army. So SMU would be a nice to have.
0: Well, I will be sure to send you a note while uh, I am in Dallas for the SMU game. No one is more excited about a little Thanksgiving weekend trip to the state of Texas than I am. I think I've wanked about this on the pod many times before that all three years I was the PAO. We had a road game in the state of Texas during Thanksgiving weekend. Awesome. Really loved it. Uh, But in all seriousness, love getting down there, love interacting with the alumni. Really weird 11 a.m. start for SMU. We'll talk a little bit more about that on next week's pod. Um, But, you know, hopefully we can go down there and at least put on a good showing. That SMU team has been laying some offense on some guys. So a true test of Brian Newberry's defense will be how they withhold or withstand the barrage of SMU passing and running that comes their way. Let's take this out. Chris Cervello, you know, I just want to say as we go out that the honor of fallen heroes event this weekend uh, was extremely special. Um, It is a sign of how much we like to honor our fallen, honor their memories. Um, There have been some great posts on LinkedIn in the last week, and it really just kind of brings home, particularly as we go into the holidays here, uh, the importance of what we do and the importance of family and camaraderie uh, and just being great to people. And, um, you know, it was it was nice to see the, uh, the gratitude in the faces of these families um, as we honored their fallen family members um, and paid homage. Um, it's just a great thing. And, and with that said, next week as we get into the holiday season, as I mentioned, that's when the giving tree goes up in the rotunda. Another program very special to my heart um, is how we give back to the local community. So I have to, I have to applaud the Naval Academy. I have to applaud the Naval Academy Public Affairs Office and their Director of Community Relations, Miriam Stanichich, for everything they do through the Giving Tree. Um, it is usually like a line out the door for people to go in there, grab um, you know a piece of paper that has the name of a family in need, and to get them gifts. That is central to what the Naval Academy is it is giving back, and I'm really, really happy to be a part of that process um a bunch a bunch of other stuff on the horizon but it has been a long pod already let's go ahead and beat ecu chris cervello i'll give you the last word before we take this baby out
1: well normally this is like the friends giving weekend right i mean like so next week is thanksgiving this is the friends giving weekend i know very very popular among folks in the fleet um i think almost every year that uh we were Away from home, or we're planning our trip home, we would spend this weekend with uh, shipmates and their families. So, uh, I hope that in addition to um, the football game, I hope that there's going to be. Um, a number of Naval Academy grads getting together. Um, I, you know, wish you all the best. Uh, We wish you all the best. We are thankful for you. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about being thankful for our audience. But as you guys get together for Friendsgiving or whatever it's called, um, you you know, thank you for what you do. uh, And thank you for what you have done. Uh, We're going to be thinking about you.
0: We will indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, for Rob Kelly, Samara Firebaugh and Jenny Brooks, Chris Cervello. I am John Schofield. This has been the Sing Second Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Let's BDCU. We'll talk to you next week before Thanksgiving. We are out.